Secretary of State candidates debate in Georgia, sort of. And what's NAFO and why are they trolling you online? You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Joining me today is host of the Mad Ones podcast, Cam Harless. Cam, how are you doing? Welcome back. I, I'm, I'm doing well. And like I said before, I am alive and yes. I am a deep fake. So. Right. Yes. I sometimes stare in the mirror hours trying to figure out if I'm a deep fake or not. I know you are. So yeah, well, thank you. Don't don't question it. Right, yeah. So don't so I need to make sure I'm nice to my programmers so that they do not delete me. I did wear a shirt that I think you might appreciate. I'm gonna stand up, push myself up on my So there you go. It's a blue shirt with a hamburger in the middle and truth in the middle. It's a truth sandwich. It's a fantastic shirt, compliments of Dana from Voter GA. It's awesome. So the truth sandwich, as we know, it's what these progressive activists, what they use to get the people that are brainwashing to not engage in potential truthful arguments by getting them to say just this source and only our agenda, anything else, you just troll them. And I thought you'd appreciate it since we know that Bizarro Cam is the person leading the Truth Sandwich Facebook page for Indivisible. I'm just going to tell you right now that your buns look great and I'm Thank glad you. you showed me your buns. I appreciate that. And there's truth <laughs> in my buns. That's exactly <laughs> what we're seeing here. All right. So the Secretary of State the Secretary of State debate in Georgia was this week, and it wasn't really a debate. It was more like 30 minutes of two establishment candidates who are allegedly on opposite sides of the aisle pretending not to be, trying not to pre- – because uh, they're both talking about you know something that you obviously recognize. Well, what would they be on the same side about, obviously? The insurrection. Exactly. So they're both supporting that idea tr- while trying to like pretend they're not on the same side. Like at one point they threw abortion into the debate, which has nothing to do with the secretary of state race. And then a third candidate who was just constantly being interrupted and treated as though they're lucky to even be on the stage, let alone talk. And that third candidate, non-establishment candidate, is libertarian Ted Metz. I've interviewed Ted. He did a DPP with us. I'm going to be interviewing him on Saturday, and I'm going to give him an opportunity to – elaborate on some of the the points that he was making or trying to make during the debate that he did not have a chance to really do in the debate. He did a great job. They just keep interrupting him. It's crazy. So Ted ran for governor of Georgia as a libertarian in 2018. And I recalled an incident that happened during that debate when he first started talking, the first question that he got. I'm going to take you back to 2018 and let you play that and then show you something that happened in this debate, just extraordinary that it always seems to happen to him. Mr. Betts. Um, oh, hold on a second. Let me get the clip up here. This is the 2018 Mr. Betts, um, debate. This is Ted's first question in the debate. And the clip stopped working. Fantastic. Great job <laughs> with the technology working today. Let me remove that from the, from the StreamYard studio and pop that right back in. Hold on one second here. Sorry about that. No... So do there you think that her name is Stacey Abrams because she's roughly the same weight as an Abrams tank? Uh, maybe. Is it, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming an Abrams tank is rather large. Not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If her, maybe her family name just anticipated that. I, I Perhaps, though. <laughs> I just thought, you know, there was a second there to, to be very mean to Stacey Abrams, Mr. and I wanted to take that chance. You've promised. that time. I, I at times do that as well, so I do understand. Here's the clip. This is 2018, and Ted Metz's first question. Now, just as extraordinary what happens here. Yeah, Mr. Metz, um, you've promised to cut spending by slashing what you call obsolete, inefficient, unnecessary, and unconstitutional agencies. 
What specifically would you eliminate? And what do you say to Georgians who, de- who might depend on their services? Get another job. That's not me. That's what is that noise? Really happened. Unfortunately, we're experiencing an alarm here and <laughs> a fire alarm here at our GPP studio. It's just, just so you hear oh. that one more time, just so we're clear on what happened here. Just one more time. What specifically would you eliminate? And what do you say to Georgians who, dep- who might depend on their services? Get another job. <laughs> what is that noise? Exactly. We're experiencing an alarm. It's like they were saying, wrong answer, libertarian. Try again. And that went on for like a minute, okay? This is like a minute. Of this, but so look, it's still going on. 43 seconds in, still. Still going on. It's still buzzing him. They're that annoyed. Still. Uh, okay, now it finally ended. Now we go back to the same press club doing the same moderators. And this is Ted's first opportunity to ask a question to Brad Raffensperger, the current Secretary of State of Georgia, who is as, cru- as corrupt as can be. The mainstream media loves him, and he's a pretend re- Republican. And here is his first opportunity, Ted's first opportunity to ask him a question. Hold on. There we go. Wait, let me take that back a little bit. All right, I should do it. Here we go. Question is, why did you allow the election results be so obviously Please corrupted? get to your question quickly. It, it, it's, she, he, he was four seconds into his question. One more time. Now, was it a buzzing alarm? That was the whole question, wasn't it? Right, yes. Well, he's, so he had a couple of seconds before where, where he premised the question, but it was very short. Uh, um, and th- but then he said, the question is. The question is, and then he starts into his question, and then four seconds into his question. Results be so obvious. Make sure we hear that one part where he says the question is. This is unbelievable they keep doing this. Let me turn that up a little bit. There we go. Question is, why did you allow the election results be so obviously Please get to your question quickly. Please get to your question quickly, libertarian. Well, you had four seconds and you haven't gotten to, and then he went on to repeat the exact, exact same question that he said, and then Raffensperger went on to dodge the question. And I'm going to elaborate on some of, this, some of this stuff. I'll play some more of the detailed clips on Saturday when Ted comes on the show to, to talk about his experience, and I'm going to give him a chance to actually in detail lay out some of these claims that he laid out or tried to lay out during the debate, but he kept getting railroaded and that Raffensperger continued to, he didn't answer any of them. And Raffensperger, Raffensperger is awful. He is a control, he's like the prototypical idea. You could not make a better controlled opposition candidate in a lab than Brad Raffensperger. And I I also, I'll be honest, just as, just the way he looks, Make like, and I can't explain it. So don't ask for any. any well, he's from Canada. On oh, that's it. Because I saw him and I was like, I don't know why. I don't. I don't. I do not trust this person. Right. And here's here's. <laughs> so I, it's 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 the Canada thing. We'll we'll go in more detail <laughs> when I talk to Ted because I want to hear what his comments are. But here's all you need to know about like why Raffensperger, who the mainstream media loves, and he is a Republican, pretend pretend Republican. Here's really all you need to know about why you don't want a person like him to be in charge of your elections in your state. It's coming right after you see these hot wings here. Don't you think election denial is a threat to our democracy? Let's hear that one more time. This is Is the Secretary of State of Georgia. Secretary of State of Georgia. Well, say what they were doing, what what that guy, this is how they were trying to differentiate themselves. They were doing the 
the uh, culture talking points is he was chatting. Don't you think election denialism is a threat to democracy like Stacey Abrams did? So that was that is what he was throwing to the Democrat, confirming his thing that he anybody questions the elections is, is not okay with him. Don't you think election denial is a threat to our democracy? And what what I would say to that is I would say no. I would say I, I think people who parrot terms like election denial in lieu of actually answering questions that are sub- substantive questions, evidence-based claims about errors in the vote count that have proof behind them. People who say you're an election denier for presenting that and avoiding questions, trying to short-circuit the conversation and prevent people from talking about it by making an association with what you're trying to clearly tie to Holocaust denial. That's the whole, right. that, that's where election denial term came from. They, they want people to think in that. And we have the Secretary of State of Georgia running on the basis of, don't you think election denialism is a threat to democracy? You're a threat to democracy, you prick. He comes yeah. from Canada. He's, uh, he's a CIA operative. I, I can't all the way prove that. You look into his background, and it all points to that. All, all I'm saying is I am not, see, if, 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 Questioning an election or what's what election denialism uh, is going to destroy democracy. I'm going to, well, I mean, I already do, but I'm going to start denying every single one of them because honestly, to hell with democracy at this point, this is what we get. Right. I mean, they talk as though we actually have democracy. We, first of all, they never make the differentiate differentiation between democracy and a democratic Republic because, and there's a reason for that. They don't want people to understand the differences. And they also, they now like to would embrace because they use it as a weapon. This idea of pure democracy, uh, where they can just weaponize the masses of people, the mobs, through social media, and say, "Look, the people want this. The people's will. So therefore, it must be." But the reality is, is it's the elite's will that are being imposed upon these masses of people that they have indoctrinated, and that's why that's one of the reasons they never they never differentiate because it's not a democracy. The founders didn't like democracy; they were afraid of it. For this reason, they were afraid of it. Yeah, well, and it's it's bad. I mean, like, uh, I, not to be like that guy, but it's. When's the last time you had something democratic? Which, by the way, every time they say democracy, they just mean they don't they mean democracy. Win, they don't. They, exactly. it, it, democracy hasn't worked if their opponents win. It's a glittering generality. I mean, Hitler probably ran on democracy. They all run on a de- democratic platform. They yeah, all claim it, to be the, the will of the people. They're not. But I mean, even so, I mean, if you love democracy so much, why impeach Trump? 17 times why why did because clearly democracy happened but no it, it wasn't because the, the the electoral college was used in times when there were there were people were slow and they used horses nope that's not a thing right that's not real um like and, and election denialism it's like denialism it's not election denialism okay it's questioning the election because of proven errors that have arisen that have obviously been silenced i mean there's no doubt about that and when you do that and you don't let people talk about that then that makes people really question the election even more so so that is fundamental to the survival of a democratic republic question the election should be what everybody does to hold it accountable 
But they're right. trying to say, how dare you even think to do that? And then the Republicans are trying to switch it and say, oh, well, Stacey Abrams is also, well, I should say the election denialism acceptable mainstream Repu- Republicans are now saying, well, now Stacey Abrams is evil, too, because she's an election denier, which I'm no Stacey Abrams fan at all. But it's her right and anybody's right to question an election because that is what's going to hold people accountable who are in charge. And we have the Secretary of State in Georgia here sitting here saying, no, the election deniers are awful. So wait, who is, who is he against? Because like that, she has been denying uh, what's-his-face's election since it happened. She's been denying, denying Trump's, but no. He, he, well, no, no. He, she's, she denied um, – who's the guy who's governor right Brian now Kemp. in Georgia? Yeah, she's right. denied Kemp's election since it happened. No, I know. She that, is like – Patient zero election denial. No, I know, I know, but that's his. Uh, that's his, and he's using that as his talking point while at the same time affirming that election deniers are evil and bad, and that's the problem. So people do these attacks on Abrams, and 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 they're right that Abrams also did that. So there's a hypocrisy there, absolutely. But in the process of doing that, what he's doing is he is positioning himself as the acceptable Republican. I am against election deniers and Trump. And also, Stacey Abrams is like Trump. That's a weird take. I mean, I, that's I mean, what I know he's what doing. He's trying to do, but it's it's that's bizarre. I mean, that's what all of these Republicans are, are doing. And they're right. This, if you're going to say that Trump is a problem because he questioned the election, then you should also say that Abrams is a problem because he questioned the election. However, the base assumption that it's wrong to question an election, that is what the problem is. That basic assumption that all of that is built on. It's perfectly fine to question an election. If you're not questioning an election, then you're brain dead. Because there hasn't been a secure election since the history of time. Because people will commit corruption. It happens. But it's never going to be perfected. But you have to fight against it. You have to try and make it as good as possible. And they literally, I mean, they literally tell us. I, I think that like... There's so much information. We get overwhelmed with things. We blow by things so quickly that we just kind of don't really focus in on this idea that they are telling us that 2020, right after telling us that 2016 was a corrupt election and, and that Trump was, you know, and, and, you know, he was not a legitimate president, then turn the ground saying this was the most legitimate, most secure election in American history, in the history of mankind right. ever. We, we have it. to be stupid. <laughs> we did it. We fixed it. I, I mean, and that is that you you have to think the people that you're talking to are just dumb effing I mean, just the dumbest people. They spend all day banging their head against a brick wall and they have no brain cells left. Idiots just to believe that trash. And, and I that, it's just they keep people so divided emotionally in tribalism to not even focus on how insulting that claim is. Such an insulting claim. And, and that's what he was pr- promoting right there. The guy who oversees the elections in Georgia. He is a corrupt. I, I mean, vote for Ted Metz. I, I don't typically like say vote for people. I, in fact, I'm typically like don't vote if we if none of us voted and take away all their power. But I know that's not going to happen ever. So for once, it's probably the only time I've ever done this. I say vote for Ted Metz in, in this election in Georgia here. Can and we, yeah, can we ahead. talk about the Georgia election? Just I mean, just briefly from a personal standpoint. If I get a text or a call about whether or not I'm voting in Georgia, not in Florida, in Georgia this year, I am going to go insane. No, I'm not voting for Herschel Walker. No, I'm not voting for uh, Raffensperger or anyone else. No, NRA. Do not call my phone. What is happening? It was so funny, Brad. 
so the I don't know if it was the NRA or what, but it was Herschel Walker. Uh, so I got a robocall, and this this person on the phone says, "Hey, um, we this is something 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 with uh, prosperity for Georgia. Uh, we've chosen um, Herschel Walker as our choice for the." The election. Can we count on your vote? And I was like, I, I answered the phone. I, I talked that. to him and I said, I said, no. And here are three reasons. One, um, I live in Florida, you dinks. How do you, how, how are you calling me? I still get stuff from Georgia all the time. I haven't lived there since 2018. You like, should have said, you, you should have been like, or like you should have added to it and said, but okay, how can I vote from Florida? Just right. Well, and I said, I said, number two, um, uh, I'm, I don't vote and I don't want to vote. I said, number three, um, prosperity stupid. Your, your name is stupid. And I don't want to, I don't want to hear from you ever again. And the guy goes, huh? <laughs> then I hung up on him. Yeah, no, it's funny. I get all those too. And God, it's so stupid. Uh, they, they, their organization it's not great because I, I think they, it's from emails I sign up with and they sell your data, I guess, but it'll be oh like, it'll be like, Hey Zeke. Can we get you? Are you going to come to the rally for Stacey Abrams? I'm like Zeke. <laughs> Who is Zeke? Yeah, it's never. Or, yeah, I get random different names all the time. I don't give different names. I always give them my name. So you had a story that you wanted to talk about. Oh yes, uh, something that got got up in my crawl. Um, I don't know if if you pay attention to Twitter all that often. Um, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe that's not not a thing people should do. Uh, but I was on Twitter today. And I saw this tweet, and I wanted to share with you the whole the whole shebang. Um, for one, let me go ahead and oh no, I'm not going to be able to share my screen, am I? Dang it! This is why because I have to. I'll, I'll just talk. I'll just talk through it. <laughs> I, I can give you a link if you want to see it. Um, but I was on. Um, let me do that. I was on. Twitter, and I came across a tweet by Jessica Valenti. Do you know this name? I don't think so. Okay, so uh, I did. I I think I'd heard it before, but I didn't know of anything that she's done. And so I went onto her page directly, and I um, I took a look, and she's a feminist author. Um, apparently, she wrote books called "Sex Object: The Purity Myth" and more. She's a columnist. And for she, like, can I guess for who it doesn't tell me, it doesn't tell me. So, I mean, you can guess, I would love you to, I know where my brain went. Um, slate probably. Okay. Well, I, my brain Washington went to Washington post, post yeah. but yeah. Um, but so she writes, um, articles. Oh, here's the last thing. Writing about abortion every day. She, she has a sub stack every called, day called abortion comma every day. What? What a what a thing to focus on and write about every day, right? What a, I what, mean, what, you, what have you been doing? Just writing about abortion every day, every day, every damn day. <laughs> uh, I, I no. get up, I write about abortion. <laughs> so yeah, I so I was like, okay, so this is obviously not a person that anyone should ever take seriously. Um, but I so she shared this article from the Guardian, and she didn't write this article. Uh, but she said, I shared these images on TikTok and people are losing their minds, insisting that it's a lie. Uh, and so uh, let me try something. Let me see if I can pull it up on Safari and share that screen. If you put the that link that you're trying to share in the chat we have here, then I can share it if you need to. Okay, cool. Yeah, let me. 
I think I saw that you tweeted this. It looks like it's like a far, like almost like a drone image from the sky. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's my response. That was yes. your response to it. Yeah, okay, I'll, yeah and I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you about that. Um, right here. I, I and and the, this is supposed tweet. to be images of a child before right. six weeks or something so, like that. So she said, "I share these images on TikTok, and people are losing their minds, insisting that it's a lie. It's wild how indoctrinated people are about abortion." And so you actually go into the the article and you look at the pictures and the whole concept uh, of the article is what a pregnancy actually looks like before 10 weeks in okay. pictures. And uh, it starts in 13 states. Abortion is banned even in the earliest stages of pregnancy, but we rarely see what such tissue looks like. All right. And this is the tissue on screen. Is this yeah. Supposed to be so, it? This is yeah, this little so they, beaker. They go, they go through, this goes through different, um, the different weeks and they, it it shows you what a pregnancy looks like, uh, which is incredible to me. Um, because look at this. Do you see a baby in this at all? Apparently it looks like like shredded, very finely shredded cheese. It's dampened. Right. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like wet cheese. Um, (laughs) but then you scroll down you see, oh, it's a, it's a, it's uh, five weeks. This is a where's five weeks. It's right below. It's it's right right above where you are. This one um, right here. Uh, that one. Nope. Above that. That right there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is this is five. It's, five, weeks. it's just like it's a it's like a white flake on a clear dish. Right. So you you keep going down, and one of the things that they're trying to pull over on you is one of the big things that people use as a uh, emotional tool to get people to agree with having an abortion is they say it's just a blob of cells. It's just a clump of tissue, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you look at this, this is substantiating their claim, right? You're, you're scrolling down. You're seeing, I, I mean, bit. this image here looks like some sort of weird new strain of weed to me, right? None of the, so, so you're looking as you scroll down, you look at it, you're like, Oh wow, this is, this is obviously not a baby. Of course I sent you another link, uh, Brad, I found some other pictures, which I'd like to show you later. Um, if I can find them, I didn't, wasn't able to find them. So I'll go with something a little bit more basic, but yeah, if you look through all the images, the very last image, it, it looks like someone's growing some white weed in a Petri dish. And that's supposed to be what pregnancy looks like at 10 weeks. Right. Right. And it's not, it's not click on that other link that I showed you. Yeah. I got sent it. You. I'm trying to get it popped up here. So here if, if you actually take in, I saw scans and like I said, I'll, I'm going to try to find them later, but if you actually look at scans, of fetal development from one to 10 weeks, you don't see this. And because the bait and switch isn't that they're showing you fetal development. The bait and switch is that they're showing you literally just tissue from the womb. So anything they suck out of the womb is what they're showing you. I mean, yeah, right. So that yeah, like that obviously wasn't the fe- fetus, what they were right. showing. They were trying to make people think it was. <laughs> right. And so, and so this woman, just Jessica Valenti person says, oh, and I said, that, by the way, I didn't mention that the fetus isn't visible. No crap, it's not visible because you're zoomed out so far. But let's look at five weeks. It's you like remember- they, they, they show the image of a baby at five weeks, but it's like, it's, it's from space. <laughs> exactly. Is that I'll get, let's 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 get to my I'll I'll get to my tweet in a second. Uh but yeah, look at 5 weeks. Look at 6 weeks. 7, 8, 9, 10. And they, so the um the federal law that they're trying to pass is to and stop So the abortion. images we're seeing on screen for those listening, it, it's a baby forming. 
Yes, and, and contrasted to the images previously, which were just tissue, obviously they were, it was propaganda they were showing in the other one. Right, and so if you go all the way down to 15 weeks, uh, that is the cutoff that apparently the Republicans want federally. And so just look at that. Is that, that's, that's what they're okay with. The Republicans are okay I, with. I tell you, that, 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 that wet cheese sure looks like a baby to me. Right. So, so obviously this is a bait and switch and this is going into the way they talk about it and the way they have pushed this for decades. Like when, when my mom was young, that's the language they used. It's just a blob of cells. It's just a clump of tissue. It's not a baby. And so this is the most conniving bullshit crap I've ever witnessed. And she's like, it's wild how indoctrinated people are about abortion. And so, of course, you know me. I have a um, sarcastic and response to things. And so what I did is I Googled Jessica Valenti. I found out how old she she is, and I noticed, you know, where she lived. You went to her house? Yeah, well, yeah, we we made we made out, but it was it was not. Oh, great. I thought you went outside um, and protested. <laughs> but no, I. Uh, so you can share the tweet if you'd like. Uh, so I took, I found a satellite image of New York, Brooklyn, where she lives, and I put that up because this is the same thing she's doing. I just did it a little bit differently. Uh, you see a a satellite image of New York, and I said, "What you see in this photo is Jessica Valenti." At age 43, it's clear that this isn't human, and aborting Jessica Valenti's should not only be legal, but separated, uh, celebrated throughout the world. Because that that's what they did. That's basically what they did, yeah. They made it. So what, it, Cam's tweet, it's like a, yeah, it's a satellite image, and it's just, no, it, they do, they do this stuff, and they get away with it because they rely on just headline readers. readers. They, they're, they've done <sighs> studies on this, where they find like maybe it's changed through the pandemic, I don't know, but where like seventy percent of people do the just the headline. They just go to the headline and that's it. And so if they right. just do the headline and it comes from a publication that that person already trusts, then they're not going to go any deeper. So they don't even really have to try right within the article. Well, and that's the thing. It's and this is also a mixture of the. The situations we've seen in the past, which I won't name specifically because I don't want this to be removed from uh, your audio feeds or Spotify or whatever, uh, but they use pictures with descriptions that are vague enough for people to get the point that they want. Of course, but the people right. will never read the line in the article that says, oh, no baby is shown. This is just the, the I, tissue. Right. And yeah, you're right. So sometimes it'll even in the caption say like, this is not a baby. Right. People, but so, people, people read it. So that's how dumb they think people are. That's how right. dumb they think oh, we are. Let me and tell people, you, though, people, yeah. that is how dumb some people are. Because, I mean, I don't know if Jessica Valenti, this horrible, deranged woman, um, is lying. I'm sorry. I, I, it's just it's not even like, honestly, it's not even the abortion bit of it. I mean, that's part of my reaction. But the outright bold-faced lie bald-faced lie that this is the clear propaganda this is it's this boils my freaking blood dude well stacy abrams stacy abrams has been going around and giving the the christian uh, um response to why she supports abortion and, and part of that has been that you, this stuff about knowing when conception happens and stuff like that and all that's a lie and whatnot 
don't know if you've seen any of that. I haven't, but th there's this tendency for some people who were pro-life who are very bad at arguing, and they they accept the idea that we uh, that they need to be arguing these philosophical points with people that they should be arguing science. This is not a science conversation. I mean, it, there are parts of it that you could make it that way, but I mean, it's why are you bowing to like there being the concept of oh well, there's this this reason to kill that. I mean, like I just I think more people who are pro-life and make the, make these arguments need to s just slow the hell down. I'm sorry. I think sorry. a lot of the problem with that whole conversation, I think it has shown itself. I talked about this in a show that I did last week with the, not to go too deep in the Herschel Walker stuff, but with the whole Herschel Walker stuff about how he might may, may or may not have paid for an abortion. And Herschel Walker is beside the point, but the whole right. point they're trying to push is that it, a person can't at some point at time in their life, have an abortion or pay for an abortion, and then later in their life be anti-abortion. To which I said, no, no I, I would be willing to bet. In fact, I know people who are just who have done this, that there are a lot of people My who mother. are really against abortion, they're anti-abortion, is because they had an abortion earlier in their life and the aftermath of it and how they felt, they grew to regret it and it, and it made them change their position on it. So they they don't want want you to think that that can happen. And the way that people are just indoctrinated and, and socialized in, in America today is they have a lot of confusion around abortion. And on one hand, they're, they're kind of told that, that it's empowering to do it. And on the other hand, that they're evil to do it when, you know, it, it's complicated because of the way that people have grown up and been just pulled to these extremes and, and made to think they're either bad or good one way or the other. And that's no way to actually, help people or help change, I think. I don't think that's a way to help change the culture of it. I think what they do now is strictly to just divide. You're either on this side or the other when the, the reality is that I think that you might come, you might start on this side and go on the other side because of what happened there, because you might have had an abortion. And I think they just yeah. intentionally keep that polarized because they don't want people, you know, really having a conversation about it. Yeah, well, and, and that's one of the things that's really hard. And, and like you could, like, if you want, you can actually watch the first episode on my show that I did with my mother. Like, she had that experience. She helps yeah. women who've had that experience. Um, and it, it's it's oh god, yeah, they they want polarization totally. But it's just it's just wild to me to see I, that. Yeah. But that, that you're right. That that was ridiculous. That article, absolutely. Like, but yeah, but that's that's what works, Brad. How? They just people are just looking, and if you know that there's images attached, people might just they start scrolling. And go, yeah, 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 because they've already decided the people that the target audience of that article. They've already decided in their mind when they saw the headline. Yes, here's the evidence I need. It's and they just, just scroll through. Themselves. So they don't read the article. I mean, I, I'm telling you, they rely on people not reading the articles. That that's one of the reasons that articles like that you'll see that they scroll longer and longer because unless an article can be completed without having to scroll at all, it's not getting read by like 99% of people. And they know that. And they've done studies on this. They've done eye-tracking studies where they see where people's eyes go uh, in an article, and then they see the click rates. And they know that if they do that, that they can get the, the confirmation bias with the headlines. And if they, yeah. the evidence is provided, they'll just scroll it and say, yep, 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 I trust this person without question. And they won't look into actually what is being said there. And that will become a truth in their mind. It's all a, it's all a trick. 
It's all a trick, and it works, and it's based on our psychological biases, our emotional biases, and polarization. It's just, but it's just, Brad, it's just so dumb. Like, it's, that's the thing that I think I have the hardest time with, is how stupid they think people are. Like, they really, they do. Yeah, yeah. You know what I have noticed? I've noticed this lately. Friends of mine who, they weren't super far left or progressive, but they were kind of bought into some stuff. They have been sending me, so I have to give credit to Joe. To, you know, people say Joe Rogan's a psyop or whatever. Maybe he is. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. but it, it doesn't change the fact that I have a number of people who send me clips of his that has changed their opinion on the vaccine or something like that. And also another guy is, is Jimmy Dore. They'll send yeah. clips of him. Now it's stuff that that we've talked about for a long time. But but for them, when we were first talking about that, they were like, "Oh my!" They were like, "That's dangerous. We can't talk about that." So I. It, I, you know, Jimmy Dore actually started watching some of his stuff and, and he does a good job. So I can appreciate that there are people who like, I, I, I got excited because my, my buddies or some of them are starting to kind of change their tune on some of this because it's just getting, it's gone too far. It's gone. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good when they're this stupid, but the problem is, and this isn't blackpilled. It's just looking at reality and grappling with how do we change this? Um, there are a lot of people who read that, saw that, didn't read it necessarily, but scrolled it and were like, oh, huh, those pro-life people are so dumb. They think it's a baby. It's clearly just some some wet cheese in a Petri dish. Like, that is what is real. That's reality. And so coming away from that, you got to ask the question, you know, how how do we have this conversation? How do we change it? How do we not let people get away with just blatant, outright lies like this? Well, what they're trying to do, and they already have it established just naturally by the way the propaganda situation works, but the media literacy training that they're trying to do, this is what they train them to do. They train them. The first question to ask is, does this information come from an authoritative source? And if the answer to that question is no, you are not to engage with it because it right. is like a virus. And they, they describe it as a virus, like COVID. Do not even look at it because it could infect you and you could wrongly spread it and destroy democracy and kill everybody's children. If it's from an authoritative source, then you know by default you can trust it. So and the, the Guardian is the a, questions authoritative. End. Exactly. So the questions end with, is it an authoritative source? So then when they're scrolling through the article, it's never a question of scrutinizing the materi- material. It's, right. a, it's All it is is here is all the confirm- uh, just confirmation after confirmation strengthening that false belief that the headline, because it came from an authoritative source, already created. And that, that is, they teach that. In the media literacy trainings, and oh, they, yeah. you, you know what they call that? That question that you ask about the authoritative source, you know what they call that? They um, call it critical thinking. That is their definition of critical thinking. It's unbelievable. It's truly extraordinary. I, I can't imagine a parent, like, actually, I think most parents probably don't even look at it. Like, I, oh, I, some, yeah. of my friends, some of my friends have, have shown me some of the material their kids have gotten where they've been forced to read Trevor Noah's book. Uh, in a disinformation class and fortunately the kids are like this is all bs so these kids in particular weren't buying it and it's probably a lot more kids like that but i think a lot of parents might not even realize what their kids are being taught in in schools and and that in in and of itself is you know public schools man i I went to public school (laughs) you know but man i didn't my my parents loved me (laughs) (laughs) you were you went to private school or were you home taught 
Well, I did. I did. Uh, we did a private school. Uh, and, and it's so funny. Like people. Did you grow up in a cult part, camp? Yeah. Uh, no, of course I did. Um, but no, that people assume when you say you went to private school, oh, they were rich. They wouldn't. No, my mom worked as the freaking uh, one of the freaking lunch ladies at the private school that I went to so that we could afford oh, wow. to go there. Very smart. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And so, yeah, I went to a private school, a private Christian school until seventh grade. And then I was home educated, AKA for the most part taught myself from there. So right. both. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're only going to get to a couple of these because I, I promised it at the top and then we'll continue them in the DNB XR. But I wanted, I, I knew, I know that you're going to have a reaction to this. <laughs> so I've been sharing the, these clips from a panel discussion recently about the information war that is going on in Ukraine and Russia. And I don't know if you know this, but apparently Ukraine has already won the, the information war against Russia. And they're, they're sharing their lessons learned. Like I, oh, thought they were, I thought they were still fighting. But in this panel discussion, and if you guys want to see some more of these clips, the show I did, uh, I think it was last week, or yeah, I think it was uh, one of the shows last week, the Ukrainian Goebbels, uh, yeah. Vladimir Zelensky's own personal propagandist. I mean, the Ministry of Truth, and, and there's no doubt that's who this woman is. I mean, unbelievable. This, I, I've been reading her book. It's, it's, it's like crazy. It's like right out of Nazi Germany. She is on a screen that's vertical, and they're trying to make it look like she's at a table, and she's just sharing all of the reasons. Here is what you need to know about how to continue winning this information war. And they talk about it in the context of an information war against Russia. But what what's clear and this is how they think about it, is that doesn't mean the information war is against Russia. That they're actually, what they're actually saying is that they're competing with Russia to try and better propagandize us. So we're the targets of both of their information wars and their propaganda. They're just saying, here's how you propagandize us and the West better than Russia is. And that's absolutely clear throughout this entire panel discussion from the CSIS, which is called NAFO and winning the information war. And, and, we'll, and NAFO is where NAFO. we're going to take this because this is the part of the information war where it's fought on social media. So the part that the woman was talking about, the Ukrainian Goebbels, was the <laughs> government control, the top-down information war. The part that the NAFO guy, who is a... For, uh, a former mili- a former marine. He's a retired marine, and he is the guy leading the information war on behalf of Ukraine from the ground up, from the social media, from the troll angle. And he has started what's called NAFO, which is an organization. Let me find the name exactly. This NAFO here. So NAFO. This guy's name is Matt Morse, and uh, you know, I left the name, the full name of NAFO, off of my notes here. So let me tell you exactly what that is. <laughs> I have all of the other stuff, but I don't know why I left that off. Non-athletic feminists. No, it's the North. That's what it is. The North Atlantic Fellows Organization. And so you notice it's a play on words uh, from yep. NATO, NATO, obviously. Yeah. And this Matt Moore's guy is the guy who co-founded this NAFO group, this former Marine. And it's basically an internet meme and social media movement dedicated to countering Russian propaganda and disinformation about the 2022 Russian invasion of Ukraine. So this is us. This is our guys leading this. And this is how Wikipedia talks about NAFO before we play some clips. This is how they describe them. 
In addition to posting uh, irreverent commentary about the war and memes promoting Ukraine or mocking the Russian war effort, war effort strategy, the group also raises funds for the Ukraine military, and they use a Shibu Inu dog uh, as an avatar, and they also... What they do is, it says, NAFO's flippancy obscures its role as a remarkably successful form of information war. And they're also super woke fellas, is what they call themselves. You're, you're, a, you're a NAFO fella if you're spreading information. So basically, if you're a progressive they, incel, you're a progressive they, incel, then you can be a NAFO fella. Do they spell it with the A? F-E-L-L-A-S, yes. It, it, like, it specifically says on their, on their Wikipedia page, Fellas is considered to be a gender gender neutral term because they're inclusive. So just you know, so that you know that. And then it goes on to say this about them. It says, "NAFO, NAFO is Western civil society's response to Russian campaigns, and is part of a larger battle for sovereignty of interpretation. Sovereignty of interpretation that is narrative warfare." That is exactly what they describe narrative warfare to be in some of these books I've covered uh, about a year ago or so, where they don't care about truth. Truth is doesn't matter. It's about the meaning you can inject into the, quote, facts that you present to the audience. So a battle for the sovereignty of interpretation on shared spaces online. And according to Politico, to delve into NAFO is to get a crash course in how online communities from, Islam, from the Islamic State to the far-right Boogaloo movement uh, uh, to this ragtag band of online warriors. You notice how they, they, they talk about the others, and then this, then this is a ragtag group. They're, they're ragtag. Rag they're good guys. Warriors. Yeah. So how they've weaponized internet culture. And one more. An American media study professor says that NAFO is an actual tactical event against a nation state, and it takes on the role as a bad cop in the good cop, bad cop dynamic with policymakers. And finally... Like the real NATO, NAFO has an Article 5 duty of assistance. This means that each fella can call on others for help if they are under attack or encounter serious disinformation. For this, NAFO members use, and I encourage everybody to go look at this, the hashtag NAFO Article 5. And then they receive support. So what they do, NAFO NAFO Article 5 is how whenever they want to troll somebody online, they... They use that hashtag and then they just gang up on it. So this is how they this is how they harass and bully people. We would be kicked off of the internet for doing stuff like this. This is stuff other people are not allowed to do. And what was this? One other thing it says it says here from an army, the Army U.S. Military Intelligence Brigade, the U.S. Army 780th U.S. Military Intel- Intelligence Brigade. Excuse me. Says for an online community like NAFO, hostile mention from an official propaganda outlet of its target is evidence that its ridicule is achieving the desired efforts. And that goes back to what I say a lot. Don't react to it because that is what they want and they depend on it. Now I'm going to play you a clip from him where he's talking, but this is the guy who leads this effort. That's that's just so praised on Wikipedia and by all of these, these experts. And you're going to hate this guy. I'm sure you're going to hate him. I already do. (laughs) Matt Moore. Representative Wynn. It's the wrong clip. (laughs) Representative Wynn. How many clip failures can I have in one show here? <laughs> Failure Let's go to for one more. Well, I'll give one second here, and then we'll get that one up there. I swore I put that one in here. All right, no, here it is, right here. Oh no, no, I know why. I know where it is. There we go. There we go. So did it differently this time with you, you got to try all these new things with net with um with podcasting to try and try and make things work seamlessly, and you're, you're always experimenting to see what's easier. 
because we don't have producers like CNN and all them have. But it should, should be. We, we should uh, buy some. We should get Brian Stelter to be our producer. <gasps> we then I feel to- like all of our segments would be too fat. <laughs> Possibly. Why is this starting here? What the F? It's not I right. No, but she is very white. That may be the whitest woman I've ever seen. Um, Cam, talk about something while I figure this out. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> Surprise. Um, so here's the thing. This is not important, but it's important to me. You see this? You see this guy back here? I am so freaking stoked that he exists. Let me tell you why. Um, well, for one, I don't know if you see this this tattoo here, my jackalope tattoo. Yes, I, I, I asked. I asked the tw- the Twitterverse what tattoo I should get, and someone said a jackalope, and it was the best idea. And I've gotten it, and I love the freaking thing. I've been looking for a jackalope mount ever since. I went onto AliExpress in order to find one, and they showed this picture of a jackalope mount, Brad, that was looked a lot like uh, this one behind me, um, but like fluffy and all that, that same size. But I bought it, and then it came in, and it was this big, <laughs> made of resin and just a like statue thing. Yeah. My kids broke it within 10 minutes. Oh. And so I went so did you on, beat them? Did you beat them for it? Of course I did. What do you, what do you think? I'm soft? Um, but no, so then I uh, I got mad, and I went on Twitter, and I was just like, I want one so bad. You have no idea how bad I want a jackalope mount. And a friend of mine who has asked to be re- remain nameless um, actually went – he d- buys stuff at estate sale, sales and resells it. And he was at an estate sale when I tweeted that, and he saw it, and he said, hey, they have one here for next to nothing. Do you want me to send it to you? And I said, you yes, said I yes. do. <laughs> and he he said, okay, cool, just pay for shipping. And so this guy, this guy back here, which is important to no one but me, I have a real-life jackrabbit with real antlers on my in my background now. I couldn't be more thrilled with that. So well, there you go. There's fantastic. some talking while you try to figure I, I out a clip. I appreciate that, Cam. I appreciate that. <laughs> And here, here we we hear this guy talking about you know his organization NAFO, and I think where it originated out of. Sure. Uh, first, thanks so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, I also want to say good morning to all the fellas. Uh, but you know, this started as a fundraiser, really. Uh, mm-hmm. I was looking and uh, saw that uh, someone was posting these little cartoon dogs uh, and using them in uh, you know to mock um, and to belittle. Uh, these you know, propaganda statements and the you know, supposed achievements of the Russian military, and just trying to you know throw these little jabs wherever uh, he could get them in. Uh, his name is Camille. Uh, he posts his Camilla Camellia on uh, Twitter. So I saw what he was doing. I was interested in it, and uh, you know more people started to pick up on this as uh, you know we're sharing these little dog memes. And uh, one day someone asked Camille. Uh, you know, how do, how do I get one of these? And he says, well, uh, you know, if you send you know, $20 or whatever it is to the Georgian Legion, you know, we'll make you one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, you know, it really has gotten quite out of hand, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so funny. You know, there's just absolutely no way that we thought uh, that it would be this big or that so many people would be interested in it. But I think, uh, you know, a lot of the points that we've been speaking about today are responsible for that. You know, this uh, frustration with the uh, interference and aggression of the Russian government uh, over the past, uh, I mean, 20 years, really. But uh, and people have had enough, you know, and they want to uh, stand up and they want to fight for what's right. And this organization, this movement, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, gives everyone globally uh, with an interest and an internet connection a way to get involved, you know, a way to push back and say. That's a major theme of, of this conversation that they have here is that we have all these ways that people who want to get involved in the fight for democracy worldwide, you know that democracy is under threat and you, we know that we've agitated you to you wanting to do something, here's what you can do. You can become part of this online progressive incel group that just goes and starts trolling people. They, they call themselves fellas. I just have to, let me ask, did I hear him correctly in that he paid $20 for a meme? Yeah. Yeah. That's how they fund. They, and they send all that money to Ukraine. That's why, you know, I love what you're doing with these Shibu Emu, Inu memes, which I found it, what they're doing is they're, it's called um, news jacking because the Shibu, it's a, no, no, no. That's what Jeffrey Tubin does. Um, Shibu Emu? No, no, no. News jacking. News, <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. He does. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, right. Sorry. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, they, ha they have the Shibu E-News e e became really popular online, the images of them, dope. because of the Dogecoin and the spinoff from Dogecoin. And what they're doing is they're using that popularity to try and spin it. They're trying to build, uh, um, hijack that movement they had instead of trying to create something all the way new. That's what these people do. They co-opt. But they're... It I know you hate this guy. This well, guy's like the most obvious operative you've ever seen in your life. This is a former U.S. Marine, and he's talking about how he effing memes for Ukraine and how you can join the fight too and how you can also send some money to Ukraine by buying this meme of a dog on your shirt. Are they even NFTs? They're not even NFTs. What a, he should, what a joke. He should at least make them NFTs. I'll let you let him hear what he... He'll finish his statement here. You know, no, enough is enough. That was it. Enough is enough. That was <laughs> enough it. So enough. you heard enough is enough. Enough is enough. And if you want to join the fight worldwide, then send some money and buy your, your, your shirt with a cartoon dog on it. That's how you join the fight. And that's like a key thing because they get these people riled up and they're testing this experiment of, of being able to propagandize worldwide. I talked about this on the show earlier this week, this new model that they're testing. And... and when you get people agitated, when you're trying to mobilize people for a World War III effort, which is what they're trying to do, you have to give people something to do. So if you get people all mad, it's like, oh, I want to fight back, but then you give them nothing to do, then it's going to dissipate. So here's what you can do. Hashtag NAFO, and you can go start trolling. Literally, they're convincing people that harassing public figures online is noble and just. So what? No, it's just fun. Four years ago, was called Russian propagandists or incels has now become noble fight for Ukraine with what this guy's presenting. And he continues. He shouldn't. No, he, will. he does for a while. This guy, they love this guy. They think he's so funny. He's, so, he's such an operative. Yeah, well, and he, he sucks. Well, and when we were talking before, uh, you were talking about, so, so why the Shibu Inu Avatar, because that that's been perplexing me, right? I'm like, why, why not a Pomeranian? Those They're are funny, funny too. But 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 there's, but I think there's an important message there. You're saying that that the Shiba Inu comes from somewhere else, and that the the meme sort of compounded. Could you speak to that a little it's, bit more? It's internet culture, right? Yep. Um, so, the, the Shiba Inu character uh, is a real dog. His name is James, I think. Uh, and it's just a popular, funny character. It's a stock character, right? Mm -hmm. So people who are very online, like myself, uh, you know, use these characters in different ways uh, to make jokes, to make memes, to, to make a point. And 
so the the fella character, so this is the Shiba Inu who's wearing the the tracksuit, or and then onward into all, all kinds of um, different outfits and accessories that they carry. It's an evolution of that character, James. So it's something that's readily identifiable to people who are online. They uh, can feel in on the joke immediately. They're in on it. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's just something that's very accessible. And, and that's that's what it is right there. It, it's a, they want to be able to wrote people in on something they recognize. And that's like, that's how they think about these things. That's why I said a moment ago, they, they co-op things that are already popular and have a movement so they can hijack that emotional sense of recognition that people have there. And so this guy was a guest with, I think, Raskin. You know how whenever they have a State of a Union address that the opposition party will bring a member of a family who had like, they lost someone in the war just to kind of yeah. like throw it in the face of whoever of the president is speaking. That's who this guy was when Trump was president back in 2017. Raskin brought this guy to, because he was apparently injured in uh, a bomb attack or something. He, when he was in the Marines, which I, you know, I hope, I hope he's recovered. I hope he's recovered fully. And he had a, a dog. He had a service dog with him, and so I guess that's why he's a dog guy. And ever since then, he's been popping up as this agent of propaganda everywhere. It's just interesting how they use the same agents through through all these different issues, and that's what this guy is. And he's he's good at it. He's good at it. He's very unlikable to us, but he's lovable to them. I, how, they, they're lying. There's no way they really like that guy that much. I think that they might because they he he to the, to this group of people here, the, this guy see this guy is probably like, actually, he he probably is apolitical. He he's probably one of those guys who's like I don't give an f. Just give me some money and power and leave me alone. And, and he'll do. He's probably yeah like a mercenary. That's what it feels like to me. In his head, he's probably like I have these people in the palm of my hands. That's what it comes off to me as. Is he thinks that they're just dumb and he and he's got them where he wants them. He's not. No, he's not. He's definitely they not. Are dumb, <laughs> <laughs> right? He's definitely not. And here he's going to be telling us what the mimetic part of the info war looks like. Uh, You're like, what success? Oh, he gives us an example of success. I mean, there's been. There's been so I want to pause it re real quick. I did point this out when I first started showing these clips, but Cam, you do notice the creepy the head, the woman in the background on a screen that they're trying to make it look like she's actually sitting at the table, right? That's the Ukrainian Goebbels. And what I also pointed out when I first introduced these clips is usually these panel discussions are held with chairs just on a stage, and they're very far from each other. It's very cold, and there's not a good background. This one has been clearly the, – they brought in a stage designer to make it look like it has the propaganda theme. There's propaganda images from the past. There's books they clear, clearly want us to see. This is a very thought – thoughtful presentation that they're giving us visually. I mean, that screen is creepy, is it not? It is creepy, like 100%. I mean, look at the legs. You see the legs? It's just a bar. Yeah. The, yes. <laughs> I was hoping for wheels, but you know. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I can point to, I think that one of the early ones was when uh, Ambassador uh, Mikhail Ulyanov was bullied off of Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. He's, you know, on, uh, I'm not sure how familiar everyone is with him, but he's a, an ambassador from the Russian government to, um, I believe, a business interests in Vienna. Uh, and he just, you know, sits online all day and makes awful uh, statements in support of the terrible things that Russia does. Compared to what he's doing, what's he doing? And uh, Vienna. one of the fellas, uh, Le Fast Young, 
replied to him and, you know, just made fun of him. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, you know, made the statement that he was making look absurd, you know, which it was. It was a stupid statement. He exposed it as being stupid. And uh, Mikhail uh, broke the cardinal rule of being online, which is that you don't respond to someone who's right. making fun of you. So, uh, but he did and right about it. in a very emotional way um, mm. and was just getting more and more angry about it. Uh, but his initial response was, uh, you pronounce this nonsense, not me. And that instantly became a meme that you can now buy on T-shirts. Uh, you know, I've seen it on, on television, you know, on the news. People are actually talking about it. Uh, and it, it just became this flashpoint where so many people were making fun of him that he uh, disappears for a week. And he comes back on um, he says, now is the time to resume tweeting. I have returned from my long-planned vacation addressing. So, you know, it's like, yeah, right, bud. Somebody came and said, hey, um, maybe put your phone down. You are, I mean, it's embarrassing. Like, you, mm -hmm. The tweets are all still up. You can go through them and see uh, you know, how upset and how emotional he was getting. About I just want to pause that real quick. So this is a guy leading this information war from the ground up. And the goal in countering disinformation, which is what, what they're talking about, is, is not to try and engage with the information and give any relevant points or do any type of like thoughtful type of presentation. The goal is strictly to get a reaction. That's yep. it. They, they don't care about truth. They're just trying to provoke. And he's making that abundantly clear here. One. But that uh, right there is really, I guess, the power of what we're doing uh, is that instead of trying to come in and, and point for point, refute um, and argue about, you know, what's true and what isn't, it's coming in and say, like, hey, that's dumb. Uh, and then the moment that's how you fight the information war. You don't argue or refute or engage in the points. You say, Hey, that's dumb because you're not an authoritative source slave. Somebody's replying to a cartoon dog online. You've lost. You know, <laughs> if you work for the government of Russia and you are online, like really in your feelings, replying to hundreds of cartoon dogs. That's, I mean, I feel sorry for you. About I mean, it. do you understand that if this were us or anybody who wasn't these people, they would be banned off of all social media for this, this type of you know, idea about how to engage with things. This is not allowed by other people. But for them, this is the strategy. This is hashtag NAFO. Fellas. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, she thinks it's hilarious. She wants to she wants to hook up with that guy. So doubt about that. He's not he's not a he's not a real OG memer. Because I mean otherwise he'd be using the hard R with fellers. Feller fellers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that extraordinary? I mean, that, that he is describing the type of stuff that they kicked people off for doing on, on Trump's side or on the right side. But they're saying it's a fun thing. You don't need, and that, that is like the key to it because when they do these like activist things, the whole idea is to rope these people in and get them doing action. It's like the communist thing. Everybody needs to constantly, constantly be working all the time so they feel like they're actually doing something. And then we'll praise them even though they're not doing shit. They're actually being propagandized into our, our Borg operation here. But they need to think they're fighting this war. And we'll just tell them they can tweet and we'll tell them they can go harass people. But we need to make sure they don't ever engage in the information. And that's right. the key, because if people think they have to do that, if they think they have to like comprehend something, and then they have to say, oh my gosh, that sounds like a truthful thing, I need to take the time to research that, the mental capacity to research it, and then I have to go research and find the counterpoints, that's a lot of work. That is going to dissipate the, the, the group that they're getting together. So they have to eliminate all those obstacles to action by dumbing it down completely and just making them seem like it's noble to be a pro propagandist.
Makes me very angry. They're so dumb. <laughs> what do you think about that guy? What would you say to that guy if you had to? Dude, I would. I, I just, I, I can't. The, I don't even know if I have words. You don't have words for it. I don't know, man. That, that's, I want to fight him. It's, I, yeah, I believe you. I certainly believe that you want to fight him. Like, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. But, you know, yeah. actually, I don't think I want to fight him. I just want him to see what he is. You know, like, I want him to stare at his own portrait of Dorian Gray and melt because he's, he doesn't realize how dumb he is. <laughs> I don't think he's dumb. I think he knows he's a con artist. This guy, I mean, I, no, I think I'm just the other people what at I the mean table. Is like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure these other, it's just, there's no creativity in it. No. There's no, um, I don't know. There's just so much about it. When I say it's dumb, it's like such a low-hanging fruit move. Like, it's and that like, is, come on, yeah. like lowest common denominator. Right, and that's the idea, is it needs to be dumbed down because they're going for the biggest mass of people, and it needs to be as little effort as possible. So as long as they're emotionally charged up, they can continue to rope them into their activist actions as long as those actions are stupid and easy, and they don't even have to get off of their couch to do them. And that's the whole idea. And we'll con continue this conversation in uh, a quick XR. And what we'll also do, because I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Cam, um, is we might go through some of this laftivism propaganda. Indivisible has, a, Indivisible has a document about laftivism that they're getting into, and the progressives are doing a lot of laftivism tactics against the, their opposition. And... I thought we would maybe see if there was anything we could come up with or see what you thought about what they thought laftivism was and how effective it might be. They're using humor to defeat the enemy. What do you think about that? More like, more like claptivism, probably. Right. So we're going to do that in the XR. And if you want to get access to that content, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. And that is what we are going to do now. Thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.